Hi, this is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Spartan 117, and you're listening to Geekaholics, all things geek. And finish the fight. Chief, out. And welcome back to the Geekaholics, the podcast. Oh, shit. About all things geek, I'm one of your hosts, Charlie. Oh, wait. I'm the only host, Charlie. Um, Alex pretty much went radio silent. Keith, I might as well have went radio silent also. But um, so neither one of them are here today. Uh, So I Mm -hmm. flew in from exotic Rolla, Missouri. So exotic over there. Chris. Nice. You guys have heard him before on various episodes from time to time. Uh, I got him to come back down uh, for a couple reasons. One, we're making beer off to the side here, so we're outside. Uh, if you couldn't tell from the cicada, the heat <laughs> index is like 110. No no lie. Welcome to Missouri. <laughs> I've already got sweat rolling off the crack of my ass like Niagara. <laughs> but, you know, I've got some Schlafly double bean blonde mm. to keep me nice and cool. And what do you got over there, Chris? I have the Murphy's imported stout from uh, Britain, I do believe. Um, now, this sucker actually has a, if you can hear it, a nitrogen widget in it. So when you pop it open, you need to put it into a glass because it has a nice, awesome nitrogen feel to it. And mm, not as good as a Guinness, but pretty close. Well, I don't know. Murphy's is pretty solid. But it's pretty good. Uh, the other reason I brought Chris in on for this because he's got a background in film. Why don't you go ahead and kind of tell our listeners a little bit about your background, what you did in college. Um, well, in college, um, I kind of uh, decided to go for filmmaking. Unfortunately, it's a very hard industry to break into. And we're um, in Missouri. And we're in Missouri on top of everything else. So, um, yeah, that's a problem, too. Um, not the acne side, of course, but the technical side. So I, uh, I went to school for that for four years. Um, now, I really didn't have a teacher for two years, and, and I'll be, I'm going to be truthful here and honest. We didn't have a really good teacher for two years, and we finally got one, and we finally started to do film projects. Um, my senior year, I made a uh, feature-length film in about, let's see, we started mid-February, about four months, which is almost impossible to do. There's a reason it takes movies forever in Hollywood to come out it's because it's a lot of work and a lot of time. Because they're lazy fucks, apparently, is what well, I'm hearing. If we you cranked, can do it in four months. We cranked it out in about four months. I mean, it's not the greatest thing ever. Um, it's called The Utopia Conspiracy. If you search Utopia Conspiracy on Google, you'll be able to find it. Um, there will be a trailer on Vimeo. It's a film noir, and that is a very specific genre of film. Um, now, only, is, if somebody wants to watch the whole hour and a half or however long it is, or 88 minutes uh, or whatever. Yeah, 88 minutes, roughly. Can they find it, like, on YouTube or anything? No, it's not on YouTube. Um, actually, I need a, I need. Well, now that they changed YouTube's rules, it's been forever, but I can probably upload the whole thing on there if I wanted to now. I can upload, like, 45, 50-minute videos, no problem. So I can probably do that now. Uh, and if you can't, you just send them saying, hey, I need to have access to do it because of this, and yeah. they'll give it to you. All right. But... I'll look into that. Now, that filmmaking background ties into our handy-dandy yes. list. Our, uh, we got some pretty good reviews out of our last, like, top ten thing that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I figured, what the fuck, let's go ahead and go with this. Uh, right now, today's episode, and this is kind of why I wanted Alex and Keith here, but, you know, uh, show must go on. So That's right. They're not here. I'm here. You're a good, lovable host. It's, you know, also a bit of an asshole, but your main host is supposed to be, right? Go listen to Bob and Tom. 
<laughs> but today's is our top 10 sci-fi movies everyone should see. Now, I want to preface this to begin with. Yes, all you fuckers need to go watch Star Wars, the entire saga. Um, because if not, we all would have Star Wars probably in one or, it's spot one or two. Uh-huh. And, you know, the last 15, 20 minutes of the podcast would be the beating a dead horse. So you have to go fucking watch that. I basically said the podcast says you have to do this. So for, you know, for the sake of differentiation... So none of us should have Star Wars on our list. I think you might. Well, there's a reason. I'll explain. Uh, I didn't put Jurassic Park on the list either because... After our top ten, we are also going to give you one to avoid like the plague. <laughs> uh, now, let me preface this a bit. This is for sci-fi. Uh, to me, stuff like Indiana Jones, great movie, love it. Gladiator, great movie, love it. Not, Not sci-fi. sci-fi. Those are more like historical fiction. Now, Stargate, sci-fi. I, I almost put Stargate yeah, on here, I almost did. but the movie itself is kind of weak. It really took off with SG-1, Yep, in my opinion. That's why it's not on here. The on movie is better than fucking Atlantis, but no, we'll get to that here in a little bit. There, you're being, you, you were being serenaded by a cicada, folks, or Katie did, whatever the fuck you want to call them. No, so cicadas. basically, other than that, it's just top ten list. Pretty much. Um, now, there might be some... That are similar, but I think between myself and Chris, there'll be enough difference that we'll get some good discussion out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start with number 10 and just kind of work our way to one. Oh, number 10. Going number 10, huh? Uh, yeah, you don't start <clears throat> a top 10 list with your number one. Come on, David Letterman. That's the true. top 10. Yeah. You start yeah. at 10 and well, work up to yeah, one. That's true. All right. What's your 10? My 10. Um, I don't know if this counts as a sci-fi per se um, but I'm going to count it anyway. Uh, Mad Max. Uh, no, that's, I mean, it's sci-fi. It's yeah. post-apocalyptic. Because of science. I'll give it to you. Because of science, nuclear holocaust. Uh, Mad Max. It was made in 1979 in Australia. Um, like I just discussed, uh, it is more of a straight-up dystopian movie. And dystopia is actually not a uh, genre of its own, which it, Mad Max questions if it should be or not. Because by far, Mad Max is probably fancy English. the best. Dumb this down for us. <laughs> uh, dystopian, okay. Utopia, everyone's heard of Utopia. That means yeah. everything's fine and grand, a garden Just of Eden. Just the opposite of Utopia. Yeah, pretty much. And as you're going to find out, most of the uh, movies in my list are some sort of dystopian sci-fi. And that's another thing with the uh, genre anyway. Sci-fis usually have some sort of dystopian nature to it anyway, somewhere. Sorry, Even Star Wars to, does. I didn't mean to flash you there. I have to wipe some sweat. <laughs> Even Star Wars does because the Empire's in control in the original trilogy. So that's technically a dystopic. You mean, you dystopic, mean the government's uh, being a government and yeah. they get bombarded by terrorists. Well, that too. But you get the idea. <laughs> the, a dystopic oh, the bell's in the house. Galaxy, I don't feel like so. Ding. Um... So, uh, Mad Max, why I like it so much, um, it's one of the biggest success stories in Hollywood history. Its budget, I mean, it's right up there with the Blair Witch. Its budget was a meager 400000 Australian dollars, and it went on to make over $100 million U.S. in 1979, which, of course, I don't know what the math is on in today's standards, but it's a... Over a million dollars, It's a butt-ton of money, essentially, that it made. Um, the movie gives us a taste of what would happen if nuclear war were to occur, and how society would react after the dust, or fallout in this case, settles. Um, I tend to agree with, with the, uh, the writer's view of what would happen in the future, because if there was something like that to go on, you wouldn't really have to worry about the environment 
per se, as much as you have to worry about humanity itself, because let's face it, most humans are dicks. Well, it's like the, like the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Mean, yeah. If that were to happen, your yeah. biggest threat is not the zombies, it's other humans. Mm-hmm. But And uh, it can also be argued that Mad Max is also a story of struggle, redemption, and overcoming it, um, with all the feats that Max goes through in the film, as you know, he loses his family, pretty much, and um, has revenge for them. And, of course, Mad Max ended up spawning a franchise after its success and gave us um, a modern masterpiece in Max, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which came out, what, two years ago now? Yeah, something um, that like is that. A, that is just a masterpiece of a movie. Ugh, the, just everything about it is great. Uh, and that's probably the Mad Max the younger crowd listening in is probably more familiar with because it just came out with Tom Hardy in it. So, But there are three others. you got Mad Max. Um, Road Warrior. Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Beyond and Thunderdome. Beyond Thunderdome. Everyone's probably heard this sign, Two Men Enter, One Man Leaves. That's where that line came from. I use from. that line all the fucking so, time. That's where it came from, was Beyond Thunderdome. Um, again, if you haven't already checked out the original Mad Max, I highly recommend to do so, and you can see where Fury Road came from. It's now, humble beginnings. Whoop, I punched my stand here, but going on a little bit of a side note here, I'm still saying that Gene Roddenberry was a time traveler from the future that came back and just telling us what's going to happen. If you don't believe me, look up all the shit that Star Trek oh, quote Star unquote, Trek, predicted. Yeah. Star Trek is uh, my a lot. number ten. It's just a good old Arnold film. Wow, <laughs> which one? <laughs> He's been in like twenty sci-fi I know. movies. Well, now that narrows it down a little bit. Uh, this one I like also for the ensemble cast, even though they don't last very long. <laughs> it's got a bunch of wrestlers from the day. It you know Jesse the Body Ventura is in it. Mm. And that's the original Predator. Mm-hmm. What, 1984, 5, something like that? I, I didn't write all the nice notes like you did. Yeah, well, that's because I'm a I film just listed nerd, it out. And I had many classes on film theory, and this is what we had to do, so... But, yeah, yeah this is... Yeah. This is right, man going against a superior being from outer space, superior in every way. Weaponry, ocular, you know, everything, period. Done. Superior. And he's got to figure it out, and he figures out eventually, you know, if you don't ha- they've got a code of honor, or if you don't have a weapon, they won't kill you. He's figured out, I don't know how much, but, okay, well, they have some sort of heat vision that they see, and so if I kind of stay cooler, then we're okay. And, you know, it's basically, a, it's a survival story against an alien invader that's hunting you the entire time. Um, you know, we're led to believe that at the end of it, yes, why can I not remember his name, the... The main character? Yeah. I can't remember. Well, anyway, Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> We're let's just believe that, that Arnold wins and the Predator's dead until he's flying off and you hear that. So the Predator's not dead. And, you know, Predator, and this this is probably going to get me some dislikes, but that's okay. If they're disliking, that means they're well, listening. They'll dislike you here in a couple minutes. So yeah, I fucking Continue. hate aliens. The alien franchise. The Xenomorphs are cool. Alien 1 was boring as fuck. And I know that's for the time and what they're going for, but, you know, when I was younger, watch, watched Alien, watched Predator. Well, I watched Predator and T1 and T2, which are great. Mm-hmm. So la- a little later on, um, I think I was maybe 17 or 18 when I finally got around to watching Alien, so I was expecting something on that level, and it gave you more of a space horror story. Instead of space action, and I'm like, this is fucking lame. Nothing happens. So Ooh, point of scary a bear. Movie. Nothing really happens. Yeah, dumbass runs up. 
the stairs instead of out the front door and dies. They have sex, they die. You know, what? But Predator, and I even like Predator 2. I know a lot of people rag on that for Danny Glover and Predator in the City, but even that one was entertaining. But I think based on Arnold alone, because most of Arnold's 80s movies to early 90s are fucking great. They're gems. They're all good. Like, you can't go wrong pulling one of them off the shelf and watching it. Do you agree, disagree? Like, Total Recall, great movie, and I probably should have put it on this list. Oh, uh, the Running any, Man, fucking great movie. Any Arnold movie I will watch. He's, you can judge me, I don't care. He's one of my favorite actors. And Total Recall has the chick with three boobs, so <laughs> yeah. triple yep. score. Yeah. yeah, his Total Recall is a lot better than that trash with what's-his-face in it. I can't remember his Colin, name. Was it Colin Farrell or Pharrell? Or, something like that. I, don't, I didn't, I didn't I watch it. I refused to watch it. So, yeah. But, you know, The Predator, or not, sorry, not The Predator, Predator. Because the Predator is the new one coming out here in a few months. Few months. So. so how do you feel about Aliens versus Predator? That fucking piece of horse <laughs> shit. I can go off on that here a little bit. Apparently, AVP two is really good. Um, uh, AVP one, I paid money to go see that abomination in the theater. Um, I've seen Requiem, if that counts. Um, Eric Foreman's in it. Topher Grace thinks his real name, but I could just call him Eric Foreman, and he dies. A very He's in Predators. Is it Predators I'm thinking yeah, of? Yeah, he's in Predators. The oh, one well, there from 2013. There's too many of them. It's got Larry Fishburne in it, too. Uh, yeah, is there like a samurai guy in it, and he like has a little duel with him with a katana? Probably, I don't remember. I thought that was AVP. It was okay, but... You know, all the fucking Predators, and granted, they're juvenile Predators, but they get taken out by one fucking alien. Really? Really? Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm done. What's your number nine? <laughs> Number now, nine. I guess I should say kind of my six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are all kind of just interchanged. I don't necessarily yeah. like one more than the other. Exactly. Uh, number nine, um, keeping with the Arnold theme here, you can probably all guess Loud. what it is. Uh, it's the Terminator, uh, nineteen eighty four, USA. T one is pretty good. Um, it's a really good movie. Not as I don't think it's as strong as T two in my opinion. No, T two is better. But there's you can't a reason. have T two without T one. Exactly, and there's another common tie-in why I have it on here too as you'll find down here. Uh, so again, 1984 USA. Um, I like the rags the riches story because uh, I'm not super rich and I enjoy the, the little guy winning big in Hollywood. It's nice to see. So wait, um, you're not super rich but you're quasi-rich? Is that no, what I'm getting? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, but it's a rags the riches story for both director slash writer James Cameron which he came to direct Abominations later on in his life, Titanic and Avatar. But anyway... And, of course, actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Terminator is the one that launched both of them into Sardom, but n- nothing more than, than Arnold. Arnold got launched into Sardom more so than James Cameron did with the Terminator. Um, it had top-notch special effects and a great story. More on that here in a little bit. But for the time, it had a great story. And some of the most memorable one-liners in Hollywood history. Come on. Come on. Which ones? Exactly. There's I'll so many back. of them. I'll actually, no, that wasn't until T2, I don't no. think. Are you sure? It's also sure. La Vista, baby. I don't remember. It's been a while. To be completely honest, it's been a while since I've watched one. Anyway, um, of course, we already just said this. Um, it also had a great sequel in Judgment Day, which is considered by many to be the best sequel ever. The Empire Strikes Back has something to say about that. But it's still a really good sequel. Most Last sequels Crusade are kind of shitty. Yeah. Most sequels are really shitty, but Judgment Day most certainly was not. Unfortunately, the sequels after Judgment Day have been kind of shitty. <laughs> they, but they were all okay. They They're were okay. okay movies. 
but not they weren't, uh, they weren't as good. Correct. Exactly, they weren't as good. But as the they first weren't two. terrible, god awful shit like but, Jurassic Park three at the fucking talking Velociraptor. Well, the I only think redeeming that's also, thing about that movie is the return of Alan Grant. Yeah, that's it. But I also think the Terminators from. after Judgment Day, um, pardon me, weren't also directed by James Cameron. I think that's another I, reason why too. Side note: I enjoyed the shit out of Genesis. It was good. But here's my next part with that. Um, I mean, it had an interesting story, but for some odd reason, Terminator writers like rehashing the same altered timeline because of time traveling storyline over and over and over and over and over again. In my opinion, it's hampered the franchise. I want to see something new out of it. They're supposed to be reimagining the term or re envisioning yeah. Terminator for the for going forward. Yeah. I want to see. The actual war. I mean, you kind of do. And was it Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines? You kind of do, but not really. You kind of see it in all of them, but not really. But not really. They need to have an actual, real... Well, no, what was that Salvation, the Christian Bale one? I didn't watch it. It was like a little bit. It was about them getting Kyle Reese back into time, if I remember right. That was the only one I did not watch because I don't... Christian Bale is great in certain things. but John Connor. I don't go out on my way to watch it. Like, American Psycho is fucking great. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. He's he's really good. Oh, I don't like those Batman movies. I do. The only reason Dark Knight was good was because of the Joker. But that's a 25, 30 minute rant, and it's hot out here, and I don't (laughs) want to hit that. (laughs) Um, Still, though, the original Terminator is one of the best sci fi's ever, in my opinion. And it really questions if humanity has gone too far with both technology and robotics, obviously. Unfortunately, we've passed the time when Skynet would become self-aware, so we're still here and kicking. That doesn't mean something like but that could happen in the future. But we're working towards eugenics wars. It's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Star Trek people. For those of you that aren't super nerds like us, um, hey, watch and first contact. Here's the common tie. Remember O.J. Simpson, right? He just got out of prison. Um, <laughs> here's a fun fact that goes to current news: James Cameron was asked to give O.J. Simpson the part of the Terminator over Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, bullshit! Yes, he was. Cameron, no, I just mean bullshit, as oh, in no. no Cameron's way. response, he's too gentle to be seen as a killer, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> ding, I'm going to leave ding, it at that. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, we don't have the bell. The bell? We I got a new bell, it. too. No, we don't have the it bell. It says ring for beer. Well, we're going to ring for beer on that one. It's it's in the house. I forgot to grab it. So my number nine, uh, and this is a movie to where if you've watched anime, it's not necessarily a groundbreaking story like a lot of people thought it was because if you watched Ghost in the Shell you kind of got the idea where this movie was going but that's the first The Matrix not fucking two not three but (laughs) The Matrix the first one that should Mm -hmm. never had a sequel left it at one and call it good Uh, but you know I I like Keanu he seems like a great guy if you read the stuff that he does for people Uh, it's kind of been it's kind of had Shit card after shit card thrown to him. Yes, he's not going to win an Oscar for Best Actor, probably. But, you know, fuck it. You don't have to. Arnold didn't. Look at Arnold. There's plenty of people that never have. Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Has Sean Connery won one? I don't think he has. I mean, there's plenty of amazing actors that have never won one. And they wonder why nobody cares about their fucking shitty award show. Because it's, it's always rigged. ones that nobody has ever fucking seen. Anyway, ding. Get back on mm-hmm. track here. Uh, the first Matrix is great. There's not really a bad part of that first movie. It's paced very well. Uh, all the acting spot on. I mean, Trinity is a little stiff and yeah. forced, but you know, is that 
what's her name? I can't remember her name now. Is that her acting or is that the way the character was written? It's kind of like Anakin. I've seen some <laughs> stuff with Hagen Christensen uh, in it, and he's an okay actor. But when you got George telling you, you have to say it this way, it must be this way, or I'm going to sit here for 12 hours and make this film this 30-second scene over and over and over again, you just give it to him monotone like he wants and you move on. <laughs> oh, yeah. fuck. Niagara. George should be directing. He should only be producing. But anyway. Niagara. But the first Matrix is great. It's a nice movie wrapped up. Yes, it's a Messiah story, but... So sorry. The first one was good. <laughs> just don't bother with two and three. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's got freaking Elrond in it. I mean, come on. Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. And Larry Fishburne. Larry, yep, he's in it too. I mean, honestly, I think Morpheus is... <clears throat> Morpheus and Agent Smith is probably the best part of that movie. Actually, of that, maybe yep. even of that whole series. Uh, but anyway, I could ramble on and on. I think most people have probably seen The Matrix. If you haven't, what fucking rock have you been living under? <laughs> You'd be surprised. It's also one of the first Hollywood movies to do very obvious special, like CGI stuff, and pull it off pretty well. Yep. Fun fact, you know how I got the green tone? On the move on the uh, the film, um, there is a thing in filming called white balance. It determines what the color white is represented by different heat, different uh, uh, tones of color. So you've all probably messed with this at some point with your cameras, um, or if you've yeah, or if you've turned it on to fluorescent mode where it turned really green. That's all they did with the Matrix. They just uh, turned it on to a fluorescent white balance, and the rest is history. Made that really nice green tone to the movie. And I think Charlie has gone off to get something, so we'll be right back. I did. I already explained what was going on. Number seven? Oh, well, I didn't know I was supposed to keep going with number seven. Going? Eight, you mean? Whatever the fuck. We're on eight. All right, Whatever so. Whatever the fuck one is. All right, so number eight. Uh, Children of Men, 2006, United Kingdom and USA. It's a joint effort. Uh, this is another dystopian movie. Surprise, surprise. All three of mine kind of men so far. Um, so sci-fi is usually anti-religion. We can, I guess, kind of all agree on that. Star Wars, is it? Well, usually it's anti-religion. Um, Children of Men is definitely not. Uh, like most religious texts, Children of Men takes its characters from despair to hope as the story progresses. It was heavily influenced by the Bible. Um, so why are these characters in despair? Well, humanity has gone infertile. Despair is good. And humans are <laughs> aging with no babies to replace the dying. In fact, there hasn't been a baby born in 18 years when the movie first starts. And, of course, it raises all sorts of hells when one of the main characters turns out to be pregnant. The other one has to keep her protected so they don't try to kill her. I can't remember the exact full story on it. Um, but without spoiling too much of the story, it can be best described as a futuristic, dystopian retelling of the nativity story. Yeah. It's a pretty good way to describe it, and I don't want to ruin it too much. 
Uh, the special effects are very subtle, but very believable um, special effects. Uh, and for instance, in one of the cars that he drives, one of the characters, uh, Clive Owen is the male lead in it. The uh, female is a, a black actress from Britain. I can't remember what her name is right now, unfortunately. But um, Clive Owen is driving a car in it and actually has a, a HUD in it, a heads-up display, like you've seen a fighter aircraft telling you the speed limit and all your gauges. And some cars have that now, so it was kind of cool to see that in that movie, and, and some of it's come out, and it's actually true. So, number eight, Children of Man, pretty good movie. Makes you think about things. And i got to apologize for that, folks. I had to go run and get my uh, cord for my computer, because when I first fired it up 25, 30 minutes ago, it said I had over four hours left, and like 78%, and when I was talking about The Matrix, it went... Oh, you got less than 7% battery mm. left. What the fuck? Okay, I guess I better go charge the fucker. Noise. Um, oh, excuse me. My number eight is actually a trilogy. Um, I probably, on its own, two would not be in this. It is pretty weak compared to one, and especially compared to three. Uh, but it's uh, one of three comedies I actually have on my list. Hmm. I also put comedies on there. There's some good sci-fi comedies. Oh, I know which one this is, so... Which one do you think it is? It's Ghostbusters. Nope. Really? Nope. Because everyone thinks the second one's bad. Uh, that's I said a trilogy. Well, I guess the new one. <laughs> nope, because it's... Different characters, but... It's not a reboot, and it's not a sequel, so... Um, but this is a trilogy, so Back to the Future, 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. I guess, technically, it's parts 1, 2, and 3, so you could say it's one whole movie... Uh, two is just pretty weak. A lot of people like to make the joke now, like, ah, look, Biff's earning the U.S. Whatever. Don't care. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but one is, one's a great movie. Uh, so much of pop culture comes from the first Back to the Future. That's not even funny. Like, everybody knows what the DeLorean is. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Marvin Barry. <laughs> Chuck, this is your cousin. Marvin but uh, yeah, between that, uh, just the, the comedy that's in that, Christopher Lloyd and, and Michael J. Fox are, like, perfect together. Um, and then two, you know, eh, they almost predicted the Cubs <laughs> won the World Series correctly. And the Miami Gators. Which no, they were almost, they were the Gators, yeah, they were, they were close. Was it Miami or Florida Gators? Miami, it was Miami. Okay. You know, they were close. They got the Miami Marlins, or Florida Marlins, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Uh, but the third is a great, <laughs> it's a great sci-fi western. Uh, ah, of all see, things. I explain that here, because sci-fi usually likes to mash two different genres together. Everyone else can probably think of one other great sci-fi western, Wild Wild West. Well, that, but it's actually Cowboys a TV series. Savings. It's a TV series that got canceled after one year. It's a cult uh, classic. I know what you're talking about, Firefly. Yep. How dare you speak its name? It's no. probably <laughs> one of the best sci-fi westerns ever made. In you know. I've got it, and I watched. I sat down and watched the whole thing. It took till I think the the episode did the story of Jane or the Ballad of Jane. It's Ballad of Jane. It, it took to that episode where I was like, okay, now I see why people like this, mm-hmm. but I can also see why it got canceled. And I've had this discussion on the podcast before. But Back to Future one, two, and three are great. Uh, two is the weak link in that entire mess. Ow. Uh, other than that, you know, one. 
Unless you're a pretty recent refugee, I don't know how you haven't seen Back to the Future 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, You'd be surprised. No, I really wouldn't. Some people wouldn't. still haven't seen Star Wars. No, see, I'm, I'm not surprised. This is my not surprised face. Uh, but it, you owe it to yourself to watch 1 and 3. You don't even really have to watch 2. The only thing that happens in 2 is Doc gets struck, back, gets struck by lightning and gets sent back to 1885. And uh, it's usually always on TV, too, so it's easy to find. Yeah. Uh, so that's and, my and number eight. A fun fact which, about Back to the Future 2 and 3. Oh, fuck these flies. I don't know. I guess they smell like shit and they're attracted to me. I don't know. No, it's the sweetness <laughs> of the, it's the beer. beer. But um, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 were both filmed back to back. It was actually the first two movies, I believe, to do that. And they just kind of cut them and, and well, released them. Because they only had, what, four months between yeah. the releases or mm-hmm. six was, months between the releases? It was a very, releases. very quick release. And the other uh, said movies that did that was Pirates of the Caribbean and more modern. Um, two uh, and three. And The Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, that too. They did film it all at once too. But just give you some modern examples of that. So that was his number eight. My number seven. It's available on Netflix. It's a cult classic. Starship Troopers. Oh, was that Killer Clowns from no, Outer Space? No, <laughs> Starship Troopers. 1997, United States. Where to begin? Where to begin with this movie? The, See, di- the, the dialogue is lame. It's beyond lame. The story is cheesy. The special effects, even though it won an Academy Award for it, or a nomination at least, also cheesy. So why is it on my list? Um, it's, it's just fun. It's a fun movie to sit and watch. It's, uh, it, if you're a set of guys listening to this, it's a nice bro movie. Just sit back and watch with the, go- with the, with the guys. If I'm watching a bro movie, I'm going to watch Shaun of the Dead. Well, this is a bro movie, too. Or Hot Fuzz, or... From the Cornello trilogy, it, I mean, Starship Troopers is a joyride, all 129 minutes. I mean, be as it may, it's whatever. It's whatever. And you, you don't see like boobs. It. You do see boobs a couple of times, but if you can believe it, it also questions society, like any other good sci-fi does. It really does. This one questions whether or not humans will always act like a fascist and warmongering species, which we do most of the time. I always thought it was funny taking a spin off of Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. where the Saiyans are the warrior race, and the humans are kind of the the shit ones. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be funny if, if we ever get off this planet and don't kill ourselves, and we go out, and among them, we are the warrior species? <laughs> hey, Starship Troopers Your planet is it. now mine by ways of our actions. <laughs> and um, this movie, in terms of visual, um, it has some visual homages to Nazi propaganda from the 1930s and 40s. To really drive the fastest point home as well. So a lot of the, the Leffy Reef install movies. She she, yes, she was the Nazi propaganda filmmaker in the thirties and forties, made all the Nazi propaganda movies for uh, Hitler. Um, so they took a lot of the uh, visual points. So from, Hitler didn't uh, some have her a problem movies. with women. No. He didn't. Uh, but uh, that's and it's why funny it's, that uh, you put that on there, because I think ninety seven it's also when Mars Attacks was released. Yeah, I believe so. And I almost put that on my list. But I felt that that was too much of a, just a straight comedy movie and not enough sci-fi to mm-hmm. to put it on there. So yeah, Starship Troopers, my number seven. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. My number seven is another comedy. It's full of colorful metaphors. Uh, it also deals with time traveling. <laughs> mm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Galaxy Quest? 
I'll no, put it on here. Galaxy Quest, I feel it's a great movie, but I feel that's too much comedy versus sci-fi. Because I had to draw the line you somewhere. You have saved us all. Sorry. I watched that earlier this week <laughs> or late last week. But uh, I had to draw the line somewhere. I was going to have like 15 or 20. So, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Hmm. Only Star Trek movie to make the list. Uh, Star Trek One. if you want a, a visual representation of what stabbing you in the eye looks like. <laughs> That's pretty much Star yeah. Trek the motion Star picture. Star Trek the motion picture is kind of mm. um, not like, but first Star Trek Four, too, however, but. which if I remember right, was directed by Leonard Nimoy, correct? Or was it William Shatner? I thought it was Nimoy. Um, I think it was Nimoy. Shatner did the later ones, if I remember right. I'll look it up. So I'm pretty sure it was Leonard Nimoy. Uh, and I feel that the Star Trek crew did some of their best work when they were actually able to do comedy, like the Trouble for Tribbles. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, the trouble with Tribbles. No, I said four. But Star Trek four, you know, they go back to nineteen eighty four. Yeah, Leonard <laughs> Nimoy. Sorry. And just to seeing you. them interact with everything. Uh, but the reasons I particularly like it, it's besides the fact it's full of great comedy moments. Little quips, not I guess not even quips, little things like where Scotty picks up the mouse and tries talking to the computer and they're like a uh, keyboard. Oh, quaint cracks his fingers, tick, 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 boom. But they actually get the science right, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- one of the time-traveling theories is if you have a mass that is large enough to make a big enough divot in space, if you go around said mass at the correct speed, you actually will be moved forward or backward in time, depending on if you're going clockwise or counterclockwise. Uh, Star Trek is really the only movie to deal with this aspect correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, now, the only problem I have with it is it... It's Fly the Navigator drive. does too. The Disney movie. Well, and technically, Interstellar does as well. But we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get talk to about that, that here in a minute. Uh, but uh, my only problem with it is Star Trek uses warp engines, which it looks like that's you know if we're going to work true. and get off this planet, it's going to be warp engines to go long distance. And warping is just creating a huge divot in space, so you're technically not really space traveling. Yeah. You're not going fast. You're making a bigger dip in space yeah. so you're able to cover more. Your warping space around you causing you to move through it. That's where they get it from. So anyway. it's one of those, they got the science right if they weren't have to use warp engines. But in 1980, I think it was 1984 it was made, correct? 86, I just looked it up. Okay, 86. I mean, they got it pretty damn spot on. Uh, and yes, if you're going, which one is this? It's the one with the humpback whales. Doesn't really tie into the rest of the Star Trek lore in any way, shape, or form, but it's a great movie. You need to go watch it. If you haven't seen it yet, quit loving under a damn rock and go watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have that on here uh, just because it's a good movie, and it's one of the few sci-fi movies that gets the science correct. Yep. See, so I almost put uh, First Contact on there. First Contact's another great one. But I didn't. It's an honorable mention. So, give me just some more here. Got to crack open. Now the Murphy's here. Listen to this nitrogen. Oh. Ho, ho. Don't let him lie to you, folks. He just had Taco Bell. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's right. all that was. I've had Taco Bell in months. So I don't even go there. I did have Qdoba today. Honestly, Taco Qdoba. Bell is about the only quote-unquote fast food I eat, I eat anymore. I get like a burrito and a taco and call well, it good. Well, I've read in some article, it may have been fake, I don't know, that it's actually the healthiest fast food it for is. you. Uh, hardly any fat. People hardly rag any on calories. about it, but... Oh, look at this nitrogen bubble. Set that and let it dance and go on to your number, what, right, six? Number six. 
I believe we both have the same number six. Nope, I looked. Mine's actually number five. Oh, so. there we go. Uh, my number six is a lovely movie uh, called Gattaca. Um, it was made in 1997 in the United States. Um, this is such a great movie. Um, I actually saw this in one of my film theory classes, and I was kind of blown away by it. it it's a really good movie. Um, like we discussed already before, uh, sci-fi tends to question society. It's one of those genres that, that just does that. It's just what it is. Uh, Gattaca is a little bit different than actually questions science itself. Uh, genetics, to be exact with that. So, uh, this dystopian sci-fi, look at that, another dystopia, right? Showcases genetically, quote-unquote, perfect humans who have been tinkered with by genetics while developing in their embryo stages. Um, everything is modified from muscle mass to hair and eye color. Everything is modified on these perfect humans. But, of course, not everyone is genetically modified and perfect in the movie. Um, those He's the only one that isn't. Yeah, Ethan Hawke uh, is in this movie, and Yuma Thurman is as well. Yep. She's the, the leading lady in it. Um, Ethan Hawke's your main character, and he is uh, not genetically modified. He's a natural human. He's a natural human, naturally conceived. Um, his younger brother, however, is a quote-unquote perfect genetically modified human, and that goes into the story. I don't want to go into it too much without ruining the movie, because I don't want to ruin any of these movies for you. I want you to watch them. Um, but again, those that aren't perfect, they're naturally bred. Um, they're subject to what's called genetic discrimination, and they're treated poorly by the perfects in the society. Um, if you're not genetically perfect, everything is determined for you, your job and everything. Um, if I remember right, Ethan Hawke's character has like lung problems or something. He has some sort Heart of issue. Problems. Heart Okay. He has some sort of issue, and that's actually why his parents decide to have his little brother as a genetically perfect one. But anyway... And the whole story is he's wanting to go into outer space, yes. and because of his condition, they will not allow, they will not allow him. him to do it. He's what, a garbage man? Yeah, he's a garbage guy. I'm, it's been like 12 years mm -hmm. since I've seen it. So, um, uh, And since I've got it as my number five, I guess I'll talk about it now also oh, and just on. save some time. Oh, hang on here. I'm, I'm not, I'm not I was going to talk about the current aspects of oh, the movie. Oh, go ahead then. Go ahead then. I'll, I'll because, finish my part later. you know, we were sitting there years ago watching this, and I would even show it sometimes if we got to those portions when I was teaching. Um. You know, is this going to be a, a reality? And a lot of people are like, no, no, no. And I've always said, it will be. I guarantee it. Just give it some time. Well, uh, maybe a month ago, they started announcing where they can now modify embryos in the womb to the whatever you want. Do you want them to have green eyes? you want them to have red hair? You know, as long as your DNA or their DNA has it in there somewhere, they can make it pronounced. And, you know, <laughs> basically, we've got this coming up now. So I don't know if you want to, if you think that's interesting, if you think it's scary. I don't fuck know. Let us know which one you think. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, you know, I don't give a rat's ass. It's whatever. Because there's some people that would do it, like Kanye West. Well, I want my baby boy to have blue eyes and red hair and whatever else. But you got some people where, oh, well, at this point, we've got the markers to where your kid's going to have like half of his heart missing. We can now fix that. In the you know in the embryo stage, yep, he'll never suffer. And he'll never suffer. He'll go on to have a normal life, or she'll go on to have a normal life, and be all the better for it. So, you know, whatever. Do you want to play God? Do you not have a problem with it? Let us know. Speaking of that, that's actually my next thing I'm going to bring up about the movie. Um, Boom! Look at that mm -hmm. segue. I didn't even know it was a segue. The movie also explores destiny, like kind of what I mentioned earlier. And like the role it plays in everyone's and, life. And humping people with a ghost? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, Destiny. Dang. I had some fun with that. 
But no, um, I don't want to ruin the story, like I said, but the movie questions of genetically perfect humans really are superior to their naturally bred counterparts. Because one of the big things in the movie is a swim race that Ethan Hawke and his younger perfect brother has throughout the movie. Again, I don't want to ruin it, but there's a competition involved in the movie as well that uh, the perfects always win, except for this one time. And um, I'll leave it at that. But um, And it also questions, like what Charlie said, if humanity, humanity, sorry, I can't talk, really needs to act like God. And this sounds familiar to a certain reptilian sci-fi that everyone is probably familiar with. With uh, 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 Jeff Goldblum, that's how he acts, sorry. Oh, Jurassic okay. Park. I so. was like, the Gorn? I don't think there are any of the movies. But uh, Gattaca, number six, check it out. Great movie. My number five. Uh, my number six is going to be kind of a very brief kind of blah, because it's already been covered once, and this is Terminator 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I could go on a little bit more, but they're great movies. Go watch them. Uh, the T one is it T one hundred? Is that what? He's a T one thousand. T one oh, that Arnold's a one thousand, I think. Well, the T eight hundred or one thousand, whichever one he is. Is it uh, one thousand? The ones that go into liquid? I can't remember. Anyway, continue. I think that's two thousand. I think T two thousand is the liquid one. I don't remember. But anyway, Arnold's that version of Terminator becomes one of the most iconic characters of all sci fi period yes. ever so far. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's. He keeps coming back and back and back and, you know, and it works. Um, and I can't really say too much more about it. Like I said, I can maybe ramble on for a few minutes, but what the hell is the point? It's fucking hot. Yeah. Uh, I'm, now I no longer have sweat coming off the crack of my ass like Niagara. I now have sweat coming off me like fucking Pacific Rim Ocean here. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so what is your number five? My number five, he's already expressed his dislike of the series, but uh, Alien. There's people people that like it, and I get it. Some people like the horror film type things. And if to me, if nothing's happening in the movie, I get fucking bored, with the exception of Apollo 13. Personally, I like the Predator better as a monster than the Alien, but that's side of the point. But Alien, 1979, United United Kingdom of the United States, uh, a Ridley Scott movie. There's a lot of Ridley Scott movies in my top five, actually, in all these, I believe. Anyway, continuing on. Alien, uh, sci-fi, as we've mentioned way, way before. Ridley Scott, Homer. A lot of time. Um, Sci-fi is also known for mashing two different genres together, whether it be Western, fantasy, like Star Wars, film noir, for my number two that I won't mention right now, etc. Oh, I can probably guess what it is then. Yeah. It's a Ridley Scott movie. Does it have HF? Oh, yeah, it does. Okay. Then I'm pretty sure I know what Um, it is. But Alien... Undoubtedly takes the cake for sci-fi horror. Um, horror movies is all about building the suspense. It's all about creating a creepy atmosphere that keeps people at the edge of their seats, whether that be by the lighting, the creepy monster character, or uh, just just the suspense itself. Or really naked and really nasty people naked. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> Ding. But Alien does a really good job, and really Scott, the director, made a really great atmosphere for this movie um, that that really leaves you on the edge of your seat your whole time. The whole time you watch it. So, uh, not to mention the top nine special effects. For the time. For the time. 1979, two years after Star Wars, mind you. Um, that make the alien come to life. The so, crazy thing about Alien, though, and you probably know this little mm-hmm. myth or story or whatever. The guy that played the alien apparently just walked off one day and nobody ever saw him again. Hmm. Like, he got pissed off because he wasn't, like, the star and then, like, went 
back to Africa or something, just walked off and nobody ever saw him again. Wow. That's a, that's a mic drop there, huh? Boom. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm probably going to get shot for this now, shot for this, but I'm, I'm still going to go for it. Everyone is going gaga over the strong female leads right now. Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, which I've seen. Great movie. She does a great job in it. Uh, I've got, I've got one small problem with Wonder Woman. I don't think, besides, I don't think it's as great as everybody says it is. The men, and this is going to sound sexist, but I'm putting myself <laughs> in the 1917. The men and the people on the front line start following her for no reason way too soon. Like, instead of it just being like half a fight and then everyone following her, it should have been a montage like Captain America where you see the buildup, you see the mm-hmm. trust being built. Then she kind of earns that. She's our, you know, she's our captain. We're following her into this fucking machine gun fire. Instead of just, oh, hey. Yeah, you got a point there, I guess. There needed to be a buildup to me. Like, I can understand Steve because he's seen the Amazonians and stuff, but nobody else would have seen that. Anyway. Um, but anyway, there have already been strong female leads in movies. Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. Been for years. She's probably the first one to really do it. 1977 Star Wars. Princess Leia, come on, people. No, because at that point, she is a strong female lead, but she doesn't really pick up the lead portion until about Empire Strikes well, Back or Return of the Jedi when she's killing Jabba. Well. Uh, you, she's defiant. You get my point, though. She's defiant. Okay, if yes, Leia didn't do it. I know where you're going with this, and if, I agree with it. If Leia didn't do it, Ripley sure as hell did. I agree with Ripley Alien. being one of the first. Uh, Ripley is played by a... Awesome, awesome actress by the name of Sigourney Weaver. Zool, I mean. <laughs> Zool, yeah, well, Zool. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. God, I, I mean, need the bell. <laughs> Must what be can I say about this character? Uh, Ripley is strong. She's independent. Damn, that didn't take long to warm up. I'm going to have to get a different beer. She has to rely on herself because everyone else pretty much dies. What else is fucking useless? And useless. And not to mention, she kicks the alien's ass at the end of the movie. Uh, Ripley is, is such a great character. I, I love the character. Um, and because of Ripley, Alien made my list. Because of Ripley alone, I mean, she Sigourney Weaver, Ridley Scott, really did something that was never really done back in the day like that. An actual legitimate strong female lead that relied on nobody else but herself to destroy. Exactly, they don't need no man to destroy a menace. And this would be an alien, which, if you've seen any of the other aliens, are a pain in the ass to kill. Um, Covenant, <laughs> that's a different story for a different day. But uh, yeah, uh, Alien, you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. You've probably seen Alien Covenant, AVP, all the newer ones. At least check out the original Alien, 1979. It's a great movie. Go check it out. He's trying to find a beer, folks. He'll be back in a couple minutes. Oh, he wants me to keep talking. Entertain the masses, huh? Well, uh, let's see here. I have some honorable mentions that we won't talk about yet. Um, there we go. You already found a beer. I was too slow. Good. I stalled. What is that? Christmas? Oh, oh it's no. Dogfish Head. This oh, it's an IPA. Oh, it says IPA, but it's actually really fucking good. Uh, Tell us, what is it? I think I've actually had this one while recording before, uh, but it is the Dogfish Head... Flesh and Blood IPA. It's a blood orange IPA, and it's fucking amazing. It's got lemon in it also. Hmm. Oh, God, excuse me. Um, that was your number five, correct? Yes. Well, I mean, we've already talked about my number five, so we could probably... 
Oh, God, excuse me. Oh, just went on to your number four. Did you have anything mine's... else that was different than what no, I had? No, I just... I like sci-fi movies when they get... You know, you're going to hear me saying this the science right. When they get the science right. Now, you know, that could be because of my science background. But I enjoy it when they actually are somewhat educational. And, you know, Gattaca was... Oh. At the time, genetics was kind of just blossoming. So they took a lot of educated guesses... And they seem to have nailed it. In that they did. So um, let me pull up one thing here. You know where they got the name for Gattaca? It's not a real word, obviously. You know no, it's, it it's the, the amino acids. Ding, ding. They make up DNA. That's where they got it from. They just kind of looked at them. What, what kind of name can we make here? Yep. That's what they did. Adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. All right. Number four on my list, I have two silent movies. What? Two no. of them. Yes, I do. <laughs> I most certainly all- do. Both of them are, I believe, available on Netflix. Um, I do know Trip to the Moon is, and A Trip to the Moon is my number four. 1902 France Silent. The silent French sci-fi movie is often touted as the very first sci-fi movie. Is this the one where the moon gets the rocket in the eye? Yep, that would be it. Never even seen it, folks. That would be it. Um, This 1902 18-minute short has special effects that are considered cringy by today's standards. It's um, 120 fucking right. years in the past, pretty much. But it was also critical in developing one of the key components of modern sci-fi, which would be groundbreaking special effects. Star Wars is probably the best-known sci-fi movie for doing that. It really set the standard for everything after it. Um, again, the movie's only 18 minutes long. It's lame. It's in French. It's <laughs> silent. Oui, oui, it's cargo. It's <laughs> silent. Not like you'd be having to read anything anyway. <laughs> Um, and it won't take much away from your day to check it out. It's it's on Netflix. Go check it out. Baguette. Um, if food. I remember right, we had to watch this in in college. Uh, if I remember right, it has like the world's like top five scientists. There's like Tesla in it, I believe, and some of the scientists advise a rocket and go to the moon with it. So all you need is Tesla. So I can't remember all the characters in it, but it's it's an alright movie. Check it out to see where modern stuff I came from on it. So number four, a trip to the moon on Netflix. My number four. It's had its own dedicated podcast on here before. It's another comedy. Who are you going to call, folks? He's got a mouthful of beer. Donald Trump? Yes. Totally. <laughs> We're going to have a huge success with huge, the Ghostbusters. Huge. Uh, I just like Ghostbusters. That w- I almost didn't put it on the list because Ghostbusters is more of a comedy. But <laughs> it's not so hoity-toity that it's not going to poke fun at itself and its science. I mean, the the intro scene there where <laughs> Bill Murray's in his lab and just shocking the shit out of the guy for no reason because he wants to hook up with the hot chick. Um, and the fact that this takes what I like to call fringe science. Yeah, stuff that, or what, what's the uh, pseudoscience is what a lot of people will call it. <laughs> Ooh, fringe science. That's in my movie I made, Utopia Conspiracy. Fringe science? It's a, well, it's technically a sci-fi, a little bit of sci-fi, but it's a film noir, but a sci-fi. Is it dystopian? Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's why it's called the Utopia yes. Conspiracy. It's actually dystopic in nature. <laughs> ah, I see what he did there. Anyway. Anyway, it takes that fringe science that, you know, a lot of stuff has been built off to today, and they even poke, make, poke fun of that in the newest Ghostbuster uh, but you, in my opinion, Ghostbusters, the first one, has one of the greatest scenes in all of comedy ever filmed. That is... The Safe of Marshmallow Man? No. <laughs> no. That's when they're in the elevator at the, uh, what's the Pete, oh, God. 
Eddie and Patrick are going to flip the hotel. I won't say to Piedmont, but I know that's not correct. Peabody? No. I don't remember the hotel, but they're in the elevator. And like, you know, we never had a successful field test of these. You know, an elevator is a four by four box, maybe a five by five. They reach back, flip the switch, and then Egon and Venkman shuffle about two feet to the left. <laughs> like, that's going to do any good if the fucker blows up. <laughs> but they flip it and then shuffle a couple feet to the left. There was not a lot of build-up dialogue-wise. It was all just, like, that is a perfect, to me, that is a perfect comedy scene. And, you know, they get stuff in there, and they have this science in this fringe or the pseudoscience, but then they also kind of explain it in ways that a moviegoer, an average moviegoer can understand. You know, Egon's talking about, oh, the containment field and this, that, and how much is in there. And then, you know, Winston's like, I'm not, I'm not understanding... Okay, so it's a Twinkie. It's a Twinkie that's that big by that big by that big. That's one big Twinkie. I mean, it does stuff like that the entire time. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, easily one of the top ten, top five comedy movies ever made. Um, in all movies ever made, I would say it's easily probably a top 50 or 25. Uh, just because the comedic genius that is Harold Ramis. The entire movie's fucking brilliant. I don't really know if I can go on too much more. Uh, if you want to know more about our thoughts on <laughs> Ghostbusters, go back a couple double digits and find the, the ones we did. Uh, I think they're in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 70s, or 80s in our list. Go back and listen to them. We sit down with a couple actual Ghostbusters and get their thoughts on it, too. But my number four is the original 1984 Ghostbusters. All right. Number three is my other silent movie, uh, Metropolis. Jiminy Christmas, I'm sweating. Metropolis. 1927, Germany. Silent. Uh, Metropolis is easily the granddaddy of all sci-fi movies. A Trip to the Moon was the first. Metropolis really made the genre what it is today. Um, again, if, if there was no Metropolis, like I just said, there'd be no modern sci-fi. So this movie has influenced every other sci-fi flick that has come after it. And uh, for those not familiar, it's a 1927 German silent film. Directed by the great Fritz Lang. He was a really good silent movie director for his time. Um, it was a box office flop, if <laughs> you can be, believe it. <laughs> to be fair, they didn't have to worry about dialogue. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> George Lucas would have been amazing. <laughs> right. Uh, ding, 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 ding. ding. Uh, Metropolis was actually a box office flop when it was released. It became very important in later years. Mostly in part to his grand vision and a uh, really in-your-face message of society. Um, this is really the first movie to actually question society as a whole. And uh, are we doing things we're doing right now correctly? Um, if I remember right, the robots in it. Good God, that cicada is loud. If I remember right in it, the robots actually uh, burned the, the human slaves alive in the movie. So, I mean, that that's really hadn't been done before at, at that point in time in film. And that was before Asimov's Three Rules of Robotics. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, it became a common staple of modern sci-fi, especially dystopian sci-fi. Again, here's another dystopic movie on my list. And uh, actually, one of the leads in the movie is a golden female robot. Her name is some freaking uh, German gold name I can't finger. pronounce. It actually stands for uh, Metal Man, whatever it is in Just German. yell something that sounds yell something like you flushed down angry, the toilet really loud. And you got it. Um, but blah, her, blah, blah. yeah, pretty much. She was actually a very huge influence on a certain other and more famous robot from a different... C. 
franchise. C-3PO, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. C-3PO is based off of the robot from Metropolis. And if I remember right, they redid Metropolis as an anime at one they point. They did. Um, the actual original film doesn't exist anymore. It was lost in a fire. And oh. there was actually a remastered version of this. It um, was made in the 30s, I think. Somehow they got another copy of it, but it's not the original. And then they Magic. also colorize it in the 60s, I think. So there's actually a color version of it. Um, I can't remember if it's on Netflix and I think it is. So check it it's out. It's on the internet. You can find it. You can it, find folks. it easily. So uh, Metropolis my number, three. number three. My number three, Brazil. No. <laughs> uh, I, I know a lot of people that like that movie. I have one high school friend, if you're listening, hi, Ben, that really fucking loved that movie. It's fucking weird. I didn't quite get it. Uh, so, in honesty, uh, my number two and three can pre- pretty much be interchanged one way or the other. I wasn't quite sure which way to go with it, so I just kind of basically flipped a coin. Hey, Christopher, do you like dinosaurs? Eh, I'm just kidding, of course. Who doesn't <laughs> like dinosaurs? Everybody fucking likes dinosaurs at some point <laughs> in their lives. If someone says they don't like dinosaurs, I'll show you a fucking liar. <laughs> You're laughing, but I'm, I'm telling the truth. Uh, and that, So, this one, I'm going to give it to Jurassic Park. Now, <laughs> holy fucking shit, it's a dinosaur. Holy fuck, what the shit. Uh, but uh, now they don't necessarily get the science right. Uh, you know, if I'm going to make dinosaurs, I'm not going to choose fucking frogs. Right. I'm going to choose a bird species of some sort, the most primitive bird I can find. Dodo. Oh, they're dead. Well, we could probably have DNA. If we've yeah, got feathers, yeah. we can get DNA out of it. But I would choose the most primitive bird I could find and then kind of reverse engineer it from there. I wouldn't choose frogs. But it's one of those things for in order for the story to work, they had to have something that was known to switch sexes. So they went with the frog. They could have went, you know, with the fucking clownfish. There's all sorts of marine that will do that. Uh, and they even actually address that in Jurassic World a bit. So, um, but. I cannot think of a more iconic mid-90s sci-fi movie than Jurassic Park. Uh, we saw it in theaters in New Mexico. Well, aside, well, to me, it, it is the 90s sci-fi movie. Yeah, like, it's the it definition is. of the 90s. Phantom Menace doesn't count, sorry. It came uh, out in 99, but it doesn't count. Jurassic I, I Park's better. I wasn't going to say the icon of the 90s child's you know, movie experience because you could say Lion King. Mm. Uh, and that came out a year or two after because I don't ever remember. If I can't remember. Jurassic Park is 93 or 94. Three. So it came out. It's 93. Two years after then. Or 18 months after. Uh, but, you know, it's it's got all the characters are great. Even the fucking blood sucking lawyer <laughs> is great. Uh, Hammond does a great eccentric grandpa. Uh, you know, you got the cool uncle Ian Malcolm. You got the angry old curmudgeon in Alan Grant. <laughs> you have another very strong female lead yep, with you Ellie do. Sadler. Uh, and she even makes, you know, f- uh, basically a joke about we'll discuss the. Uh, oh, fuck. I'm pulling a blank. We'll discuss the role of the sexes in the survival situation when I return. I believe is the exact quote. Woman of Harris the Earth, right? Tell Jeff Goldblum that. <laughs> Dinosaur <laughs> eats man. <laughs> Women inherits the earth. But there's... 
I'd find me a bad point in that movie. Now, I'm not saying two or three. Hmm. Two was superior to three. Two's two not is bad. not bad. I will, I will voluntarily I watch, watch two. two. Three, the only good part about that movie is the return of Alan Grant. The rest of that movie can go suck a fucking dick. All that two is is a retelling of King Kong with dinosaurs. That's all it More is. More or less. And all three was was, well, we cut this part out of the Piece Jurassic of Park movie? book. Yeah. We cut this part out of the Lost World book. We got ourselves yeah. a movie. No, they don't. That that should never have been made. It should just yeah. skip right to world. <laughs> but, you know, Jurassic Park 1 doesn't really have a bad part. You get great character development. Hell, even the dinosaurs fucking have character development. I mean, the Velociraptors, And they're motherfucking on. dinosaurs. Velociraptors are smarter than some humans, I know. Velociraptors <laughs> are smarter than a greater majority of humans, <laughs> I know, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, ding ding uh. ding uh but it's just and it was a great movie and the fact the the fact that they used actual physical practical effects and then they overlaid a small amount of cg on the top of them yeah if you go now what almost 30 years later it still looks great it looks great it 20, lo- it's cgi but it looks well, great we're, we're getting close to 25 years yeah we're at 24 years this year I even went and watched the fucker in 3D when it was re-released, and it still looks fucking great. I mean, this that is the way to use CGI, Hollywood. That is how you do it. If I remember right, um, I think it took like 20 or 24 hours to render one frame of that movie with the CGI in it. Yeah, and now, to give you an idea, um, Hollywood uses 24 frames a second in their movies, which is 24 separate photos per second of film. So you've seen 24 photos at once gives you the illusion of motion, which is why it's called a motion picture. So to give you an idea, one frame took 20 to 24 hours to render. Toy Story was the same way, if you remember Toy Story. Now, computers, now, nowadays it's not well, going to take Well, it's not long, like that, but back but in the day, that's how it was. Back in the early to mid-90s, <laughs> we're all about the Pentiums, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pentium 1 if you're lucky. Two, Hollywood probably would have had two yeah. at that time. But they used Pixar computers. It's actually a file format, Pixar. But it, that, yeah. it, that's a discussion for a different day. George Lucas actually, uh, Lucas, uh, oh my God. Made Pixar. ILM made it. That's your yeah. light magic. He owned Pixar for yes, a long time. Yes, he did. Time. And he sold it to Steve Jobs. Who yep. sold it to Disney. They didn't turn around and sold it to Disney yep. later. Anyway, that's a story for a different day. Continuing on. Yeah, you if I'm you haven't nerd. seen fucking Jurassic Park, you quite literally are living underneath a fucking rock, and you're probably a caveman. You, you do well And I will it. tell you yeah. that to your fucking face. Yeah. I don't give a damn. Yep. I will fucking knock on your forehead, say hello, McFly, because you're under a fucking rock. Educate yourself. What's your number two? You got a little combative at the end of that one. My number two. My number two is Blade Runner. Oh, so HF? Yes. 1982 United States, another Ridley Scott movie. Another dystopian Uh, movie. This is actually my favorite movie ever. Um, then but why it's only is it not number one? For reasons. Oh, um, reasons. <laughs> Star Wars is reasons. the most important to me in terms of how it's it's shaped my life. Oh, that's right. You didn't actually drop it off of your no, list. No, I didn't. Oh. But in in terms of a filmmaker that I went to school for, Blade Runner is, is my favorite. Um, Blade Runner is the ultimate dystopian sci-fi movie. And it's arguably the prettiest sci-fi movie in terms of cinematography. And those of you that don't know... No. Cinematography is the camera work in the movie, the lighting, how everything comes together and looks on the screen. I will admit, 
not having the background you do. Uh, I watched it based on your recommendation. I was kind of like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see the appeal. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad movie. It just means I don't see it in the same light uh-huh, that you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'll explain more on that. There may be a reason why. Um, for those that say that film isn't art, obviously haven't seen Blade Runner. It's, it's a legitimate work of art up there with a the Rembrandt with a Picasso, in my opinion. It, it is. It's a moving piece of art. Um, the movie, to me, has a killer story. Sorry for the motorcycles. They had Harley's... It has a killer story that questions society and humanity as a whole. I noticed that theme a lot with yours, too. Yep. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've, I'm noticing the theme... Um, but Blade Runner really goes... Are you sure you're not an angry old curmudgeon? No, not yet. I'm, I'm well on my way. Well, you know what I do, so that could be a reason why. I'm an angry old curmudgeon, I'll admit it. But Blade Runner questions if humanity really feels emotions and remorse for others. Um, there's these... Uh, in the movie, a Blade Runner is a police officer that is tasked with killing... Terminating, if you will. <laughs> Are they repl- aren't they replicants? Replicants, robots, oh, androids. Um, androids. They look exactly like humans. And the humans in the movie really don't have any emotions. They just kind of sit there. They don't react to nothing. However, um, there's actually something called the Voight-Kampff response, and that's a very important part of the movie to where they measure if you do feel a remote emotion. If you have an emotional response, that's how they determine if you're a replicant. Anyway, you had to watch me to figure that out. By the end of the movie, um, the antagonist, if you can call him that, um, Roy Batty, he's a, uh, he's a replicant. He actually shows more emotion and compassion than Harrison Ford, a human, does at the end of the movie. Um, he actually ends up saving Rick Deckard is uh, HF's character's name. He actually saves Rick's life at the end of the movie. And that in turn shows that he has more emotion and remorse than a human does. So, um, I will agree with Charlie and you don't really get the story by watching it one time. You have to watch it two or three times really to fully understand and appreciate the story in it and really understand what's going on. Um, unfortunately, it's hampered by having several different cuts of the movie. Um, the original theatrical cut was like pressured Superman by, <laughs> yeah, it was pressured by the studio to have Ripley do it that, or Ripley, God, Ridley, do it that way. Nope, Ripley, she's fighting the melee yeah, right, yeah. editing. Um, the the original theatrical cut is is the worst cut out of all of them. I'll, I'll agree there. If you're not familiar, it's the one that Harrison Ford actually narrates. Um, Blade Runner, I should have said this at the beginning. Blade Runner is actually a mashup of two different genres. It's a sci-fi and a film noir, which is probably another reason why I like it. Because film noir is actually my favorite film genre noir. of movie. Um, film fatale. If you know what a film fatale is, that's what a film noir. That that actually comes from a film noir. If you've seen L.A. Confidential, that is a film noir. Sin it's a modern noir. Sin City. I'm going to assume edgy. most of our listeners have seen Sin City. Albeit so. edgy, but that is a film noir. Um, but the one with Harrison Ford narrating pass. The best one is what's known as the final cut. It came out in the early 2000s. That is, quote-unquote, the... Final cut that Ridley Scott is going to do on and the movie. Cut it again. <laughs> well, you know, for Blu-ray. But there is no Harrison Ford narration, um, and that that's the one to really watch. 
Um, the reason they had Harrison Ford narrate it is because uh, film noir, most film noirs do have some sort of main character narration in it, so that's why they did it that way. But Dick Tracy would technically kind of be a film noir, too. Yeah, uh, Double Indemnity is another good one with, um, shoot, what's his name? I can see his face. The guy in the original Flubber, the professor, uh, and the shaggy dog. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Douglas, I think. That's his name. Yeah, he did all and those Barbara, Disney ones. Yeah, and Barbara Stanwyck. They were in that movie. It's a great movie. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. Dang. Um, but definitely, check out the final cut. The one with no narration is, is by far the best. The special effects are, are just top-notch in that movie. They're, they're great. The lighting makes it great as and well. I, you probably already said it. What year was it made? 80? 1982. 82. Okay. 1982. There's a lot of matte drawings in it. Um, if you haven't noticed, I'm a huge fan of practical special effects. The, the actual models... The shit that's real. I, I'm just glad we're Hollywood's finally reverting back yes, to that. I cannot stand overt use of CGI. I think it's a See cheap way out. One, two, and three. It's a cheap way out. Those those model makers are very very talented, and they just screw those people over. Granted, some CGI is good. Jurassic Park is a great example. But if you there's, use it too there's much, there's a fine line. Yes, there is a very fine line. And I understand. Okay, we got Watto, or I've got Yoda flipping and shit. I'm not going to be able to make There's a puppet, no puppet do that. There's no puppet going to be able to do that. I understand that. But to rely completely on a blue screen to do everything for you, eh, I have an That's issue with bullshit. that. Anyway, special effects are great. They're practical. They're real. Um, matte drawing. A matte drawing is where you take a part of the frame and actually physically cut it and put an actual painting on it. Star Wars used this a lot as well. But a lot of movies did until recently. Yes, they did. And there's, as Charlie said, they're starting to come back to it, and I'm, I'm happy and to see Bogue that. Bogue actually talked... Because we did like a geek art episode, and he talked mm-hmm. to a, a pretty good length about matte paintings. Mm-hmm. It's the great, um, and not to mention the soundtrack. The soundtrack is probably the best part of the movie. It was composed by Vangelis. Um, was it Chariots of Fire? He did that. Do 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 do. He did that. Yeah. Boom boom. Um, it was made in the eighties. This is an eighties movie. The soundtrack screams eighties. Uh, Vangelis is actually one guy. He just dun, goes by that name. Dun, dun, he is dun, Italian, dun, if I remember right. Dun, 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 um, but I can't remember dun, dun, what his actual dun, name is. He's still alive. But the soundtrack to the Blade Runner is great. And not to mention, to tie a uh, a current theme into it, a current tie, um, the long-awaited sequel, some 20, 30 years later, is finally... Later 2049 or yep, whatever? Finally being released later this year in October. Um, Ryan Gosling is in it. He's the uh, new Blade Runner. Harrison Ford is in it, and his character is gone and taking refuge on... He's an angry on, old curmudgeon. Yeah, he's taking <laughs> refuge on, on Mars. Um, I'm excited, oh. but I'm nervous at the same time because I'm afraid they're going to make it too much like a modern sci-fi. I'm seeing themes of the original. Uh, the music is somewhat there. Vangelis is not doing the soundtrack. I have a lot of concerns with it. But I'm still going to go see it probably several times in theaters. I have a lot of hope for it. Um, so I'm just hoping they're not making it like a modern sci-fi. Just with Blade Runner. Throwing it. So my number two, Blade Runner, 1982. It's not on Netflix. You'll have to buy it. Unfortunately, or Redbox or something. You, you can find it easily. Blade like Runner. Go check it out. Walmart. Especially if you want to see the new one coming out later this year. All you all you chicks that live, Ryan Gosling. Check out the original before you go see it. You're going to understand what's going on. Oh, Dave Bautista is in Blade Runner 2049 as well. Oh, yeah, Dave yeah. Bautista. So he's in it too. Anyway, Blade Runner. <laughs> a joke would not go over his head. His reflexes <laughs> yeah. are simply yeah. too fast. Yeah. He would simply catch it. 
those of you who don't know who Batista is, he played uh, Drax in... Uh, if you don't know who Dave Batista is, you need to go fucking Guardians educate of the yourself. He's turned into a great actor. He's, to my opinion, I'm going to off topic, but I don't care. He's filling that niche. He's the new Arnold Schwarzenegger to me. He's the new Arnold. Yeah, more or less. I, I'm enjoying him a lot, but Blade uh, Runner, number two. Uh, keep in mind, I said my two and three were kind of interchangeable, just kind of <laughs> flip a coin. Uh, and a lot of people may even have my number two listed as their number one. It's something most people have seen. They keep re-releasing it over and over and over again. Actually, Alan Skyrim? Mo- yeah, Skyrim. <laughs> Skyrim on the Nokia. Ding! Uh, Alamo Drafthouse is doing a special mm-hmm. showing of it for the 20th anniversary, I think, or 25th. But uh, you got like a special pint glass and stuff, and it's a great movie. Uh, I've actually got a Bruce Willis movie on my list. Fifth Element? Fifth Element. Lulu Dallas. <laughs> Multipass. It's a good movie. I'll explain my. <laughs> I'll explain later about Bruce Willis. But, but uh, the Fifth Element is a space opera, more or less. Uh, <coughs> Star Wars. <coughs> Star Wars is a space opera. Yeah, but so is Fifth Element yeah, to an is. extent. It's just shortened into one movie instead of expanded mm-hmm. out to nine hundred mm-hmm. by the time mm-hmm. Disney's done with it. <laughs> but um, Fifth Element's great. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about it, uh, but instead of me going on and on about it, I'm going to assume one of two things. And assuming these one of two things means I'm 100% correct. You've either seen it, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, or you haven't seen it, so you have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. And if it's number two, turn this off, go watch the fucking movie, <laughs> and then finish the episode. Uh, it's, it's under three hours, if I remember. It's like two and some change. But seriously, just fucking go watch the damn movie. Once again, I'm going to uh, uh, um, pose the question of the podcast. What fucking rock have you been living under? (laughs) Go watch the movie. Um, The same director directed that Valerian, the planet of a thousand whatever the fuck, or city of a thousand planets. uh, I'll watch it when when it's available to rent. Well, Valerian had a lot of uh, influence in Star Wars. It's an older comic, but... Continue. Um, I was just gonna say I'll, I don't I'll know watch anything about Valerian one. though. I'm not an expert, but I'm not gonna see it in theaters. No. I'll watch that one once it comes out and I can rent it because mm-hmm. it doesn't really look that good. Uh, and you know, one I didn't put on the list that I could have was Hitchhiker's Guide, but because it's also if you read the book, it's a comedy space opera. So, <laughs> but I did not have it on the list. What's your number one? <laughs> oh, my number one. Hmm. That yeah that. Water should be about well, up to temperature now. Okay. My number one is Star Wars. I know we're not supposed to put it on here, but there's a reason I have it on here. Uh, 1977, United States. This you're, is the franchise. You're not, you're not just saying the whole lump, lumping them all I've in lumped there. them all together, um, but I, I'll, I'll pick and choose later. But Star Wars as a whole. Star Wars is the franchise every other sci-fi movie, or just movie for that matter, tries to be. There's no question about it. Not much, not much needs to be said about the masterpiece of a franchise, minus the prequels, that has and continues. I enjoy three. Right, yeah. Three's good. Uh, this franchise has and continues to influence generations for 40 years. I mean, it is it is American pop culture. If you haven't it seen is America on the it TV is. screen. <laughs> it is. Star Wars is America, as is the flag, as is D-Day, as is everything. Baseball and baseball, apple pie and hot football. dogs. 
it's as American as American can be. It's the ultimate success story next to the uh, Mad Max. It's the ultimate Hollywood success story. The studio has told Lucas he would never he would never succeed with it, and he said <laughs> "f you," and he did. And I'm I'm going to do it, and I'll give you, and I just want to retain marketing rights for it. Yeah, how the fuck he pulled that off? Yeah. I'll never fucking <laughs> yeah. know. I don't know how many dicks but... he had to suck for that to happen. But <laughs> he is not a great director. Um, he's directed a couple of the movies. American Graffiti he actually made before Star Wars. It's a good movie. Harrison Ford's in it as well, as is uh, Ron Howard. Um, okay. He did direct the original Star Wars, and it's a good one. To me, my favorite Star Wars will always be Empire. Always. Kershner, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Irvin Kershner did direct it. George produced it as it Return of the Jedi. But to me... The, and then we get to episodes one, two, well, and three, and he decided he wanted to direct again. Yeah. But to me... Uncle George. The original 1977 Star Wars is on its own pedestal. It cannot be compared to the other ones to me. It, it's its own thing. It's so different than the others. It's, it's one and of the it's greatest... it's a complete story. It is. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Then you get Empire, which is even better. But Star Wars, there are people that still live under rocks, unfortunately. Just watch it. I know. Just, just watch it, please. My number one... It's actually a fairly recent movie, believe it or not. Like, last couple of years, recent movie. Um, I have it as number one because they actually had... I can't say 100%, but I can say 99% of the science completely fucking correct. The only part of the science they messed up on, they had to in order for the story to happen. I know what it is. It's, it, uh, it's interstellar. The Oh, I will throw <laughs> shit at you. The... Writer of the book, the author of the book, had a friend that worked at NASA, and he was consulting his friend to say, hey, would this work? Would this work? What about this? Martian. To where even portions of what he wrote in the book, NASA has turned around and tried and found out this shit will work, and it's the Martian. The part of the science, the only science they got incorrect was the wind velocity. Mars does not have enough of an atmosphere to have wind that high. Uh, Think of it. For those of you that don't really know how it works, well, wind is wind, so why couldn't they have it that high? Uh, I'm going to educate you a little bit here. Because the way the natural world, world works is stuff goes from a higher amount to a lower amount to try to level out. Uh, it does Water does this. Uh, concentrations of salt and other things do this. Wind works the same way. you got an area of high pressure, so there's a lot of it, and areas of low pressure, so there's not enough. So the greater the distance between the high and the low pressure, the faster the wind goes. Think of it kind of like a water slide. You're at the top. What happens? You get pulled down to the bottom. Well, Earth has a nice, fat atmosphere on it. Winds can get pretty high. Uh, You want to see a bigger atmosphere? Go look at the gas giants. That's like pretty much all atmosphere. Saturn, Neptune. Jupiter. That's what I said, yeah. Oh, I didn't hear Jupiter. Um, Uranus. Hey-oh. Uranus. (laughs) But, um, no, we named it Eurectum back in 23, whatever the <laughs> fuck. Uh, but that's the only part I got wrong because Mars doesn't really have an, an atmosphere, atmosphere so you can't thin. get that high of a wind. Yep. That's like, you know, the difference between a 100-foot water slide or 100-foot drop on a water slide and a 5-foot drop on a water slide. Which one are you going to get going faster on? The 100-foot drop. Well... If you had to have like a 90 foot drop in order to push the launch vehicle over, you're not going to get that on a five foot drop. You just, you can't blow that hard for that to happen. But other than that, every 
single thing is correct in that movie. All of it. Every single scientific detail is correct, and you never fucking find that. Ever. Even in some of the historical remakes, they bend portions of it to make the story better. But they fucking nailed it. So much so that NASA, like I said, went back and looked at some of the stuff, like, well, would this work? Yes, you know what? Potatoes actually will grow on Mars. There's your crop if we ever make it to Mars. Well, it starts. We'll keep you going. Ask Ireland. And like I said, everything is correct about that. The amount of calories, his food supply, literally everything is correct. And that is, you know, the great human struggle. That entire movie is about the human struggle. It is about survival when you should not be surviving. We tend to do that a lot as humanity. Ask Apollo 13. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, the entire movie is like that. The book is like that, too. If you haven't read or listened to the book, go listen to it. The movie does a good job. It changes up a few small things, uh, but nothing too terribly big. And, you know, like I said, everything is fucking correct about that movie. Everything. And you can't... I I can't think of another movie where I can say the science was 100% on in this movie. Star Wars. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, because the different galaxy. The, well, the warps, <laughs> like when they are, I guess it's not warp drive, the hyperdrive. Hyperspace. It's a different dimension. Well, because you're tra- now traveling at different speeds closer to the speed of light or beyond the speed of light. So now the age differences between when they left versus when they got there would have been like hundreds of years. So, but like I said, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Uh, I bought mm. The Martian when it came out, and then like two months later, they released a director's cut of the fucker on Blu-ray, too. I was like, you sons of bitches. Of course. I haven't seen that one yet, but I have seen the original. Go watch it. It's Matt Damon. It's another Rescue Matt Damon movie. <laughs> <laughs> so The U.S. has spent so much money rescuing his ass. There we go. There's the joke. But yeah, it's it's great. I like it. Look at all the guys that died in Saving Private Ryan to get him. <clears throat> My voice cracked. I swear I'm mature. But like I said, go watch the fucking movie. Yeah. This is coming from a science guy, and he's telling you this science is 100% correct. NASA's telling you the science is 100% correct. Hell, we've even tested some of the stuff he just took guesses on, and it's fucking right. Go watch it. It's great. It's two hours it and some change, I think. It is a great movie. I saw it in theaters. Okay, so... Um, I have an honorable mentions list um, that I have here. There's a lot of them, but... Uh, the Martians on there. I was going to say, don't go too in-depth on those. No, we're, getting, we're getting the Martians, the side. Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. Uh, the original Total Recall with uh, Arnold. Running Judge in. Dredd, I haven't seen the new one. So this oh, is based on the great. Sylvester Stallone. And then uh, Death, uh, Death Race 2000. Uh, not the new one with what's uh, Jason Satham, but the the Robert Carradine one from Dread like, the 2012 70s. is great. You should watch it. Um uh, Spaceballs made it on my list, but does it count as a sci-fi or is it more of a comedy? To me, that'd be more of a comedy. So Spaceballs is there. And uh, let's see here. Uh, you can notice that I didn't have any Bruce Willis movies <laughs> on my list. Uh, He's only done one sci-fi, hasn't he? Armageddon, if you can count that as a sci-fi. Uh, I've never seen that movie still. Really? It's on TV like all the fucking nope. time. I've somehow never seen it. Good. It's always on fucking TV. The best part of that movie is Liv Tyler. But anyway. Uh, 
If you can believe that Steven Tyler had something like that. I would stay yeah, awake right. yeah. just to hear you breathe. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Oh, what, uh, you don't want no. me singing? I'm just not a huge Bruce Willis fan. Uh, he goes around as a tough guy. He, he can kick my ass in real life. Don't get me wrong. I just don't see him as a tough guy. I just... Uh, I like the Die fan. Hard movies. They're fun. I'm just not a fan of his. That's just true and simple. I was biased against him. Yeah, I'm not a huge Bruce Willis fan. Sorry. Uh, oh, another one... Waterworld, does that count sci-fi or fantasy? Uh, I would have said fantasy. But okay, that doesn't count then. But I guess if you've got uh, Mad Max on there, that's water Mad Max. So Pretty much. So that was uh, those my all mentions. I think I did a pretty good job of narrowing it down. Maybe The Running Man and Total Recall because yeah. they didn't make the list when they very well could have. Um, like I said, Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, like I said, Stargate... SG-1. The original movie with Kurt Russell okay. is not a bad movie. It's, it's okay. It's a fine movie. It's a early 90s sci-fi war-ish movie. It's nowhere near as strong as this TV show that it's that it yeah. spawned. Uh, no offense to Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell as an actor, but Richard Dean Anderson <laughs> killed that role. SG-1, just don't watch the last couple seasons. Yeah, no. <laughs> because it falls off the deep end. Richard Dean Anderson took over Kurt Russell's role as uh, Colonel O'Neill. Colonel O'Neill. And he killed it. And Daniel Jackson's back. Yeah. Uh, and then they are actually doing two new two new uh, Stargate shows. One's going to be a miniseries called Origins, and then mm-hmm. it's been an off to new show. Well, the original creators of the movie are supposed to be making another one, but they, they've had scuffle with MGM about the rights of the TV, and that's yep. a whole episode of its own, so I don't even want to get yeah. into it. Okay, so what is your one to avoid like the plague? Do you well, want to go gotta, first, or do you want me to go first? I got a couple of jokes here. Uh, King with the Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones, and the King with the Crystal Skull. This is for laughs and for truth. And uh, for Keith swinging with the monkeys, <laughs> we all know how much uh, he enjoyed that. I have no clue why George Lucas decided to produce Indiana Jones into a B-rated sci-fi flick in 2008, but he did. Here's my question that I'm going to pose. He always said always he was going to do it. I always pose this question. If they would have named it Montana Smith, would it have been as bad? Yeah. It'd have been a, it would have been a decent movie had they not named it Indiana Jones. You would have had to forego a few things, but... Big damn ants. Uh, no. Um. Think about it, though. It's not Indy. It's not Indian Marion. It's Montana Smith and yeah, you know whatever. It may have been better. I mean, Martha Marmaduke. I don't know. <laughs> it's an all right B-rated movie. If I didn't see the goddamn aliens in, I would have been fine. As soon as I saw them, talked at the end, I would have been okay. Yeah. I sat there in the theater, and I'm pretty sure I actually yelled, that motherfucker hasn't said shit all goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. And now he goes, help, they're from the space yeah. between yeah. spaces. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Help, help, help. He said help. He went and got help from the Ruskies. Anyway. that That's okay. That's not yeah. like an actual line, thing. so to speak. It's a comedy thing. But I know George always said he was going to do it as a B-rated sci-fi, but I just don't understand why he did it's easily the biggest disappointment this side of the Phantom Menace. And I haven't been that betrayed since episode one. <laughs> Boom, blinked it back in. Yes, I did. And I could go on for hours about it, but but I'll refrain from doing so. Just avoid it. Just just don't watch it. What? Just don't watch it. Please don't. Uh, Doom. Terrible. I, I enjoyed Doom. Terrible representation <laughs> of the game. I enjoyed the last ten minutes or so. The first person, the scene. FPS part, the first person shooter part. That's that's that a makes great, the movie. great part. And uh, just watch the last ten minutes or so for the first person shooter part in the rocks line to sip or five, motherfucker. 
Well, it's got line. The Rock and is it Carl Urban? Carl Urban that? is the main so, character. You know. Yep. Carl Urban's been in everything. Oh, I didn't think about Riddick. Oh, I didn't think about Riddick. How? I didn't even think about Riddick. Gosh, dang it. Oh, well. Too late. Um, another Carl one Urban's on my list. Also in the new Thor. Yeah. Another one on my list, pretty much all the Superman movies. <laughs> all the Superman movies. They all, they all just kind of That's suck. the sound of no one disagreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. I know people that will disagree with that. And the Richard Dahmer cut or whatever, Superman 2 is supposed to be good. It makes it watchable. Yeah. yeah. But on the whole, um, Superman movies are pretty weak. Mm-hmm. But my actual movie on this list, Star Wars, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Uh, that, that, this is why I put Star Wars as number one on my list. It's kind of a, uh, a segue back into that. Attack of the Clones is quite easily one of the worst movies the ever made. The worst movie ever made. Oh, not the Santa Claus vs. the Martians is pretty freaking bad. I'd rather watch that. Attack of the Clones is a cesspit of dialogue. A, an absolute cesspit. They had dialogue? <laughs> I can't even watch this movie. The people that I've known that haven't seen it, I haven't watched the machete method, the machete order. Four, five, one, two, three, six. Okay. No, it's four, five, two, three, six. Well, you can skip one. You can skip one. You're supposed to skip one. By watching really for Darth Maul. Anyway, I leave the room. I cannot watch this movie. It is a god awful piece of shit Ugh, it's by far the worst of the prequels I, I don't care if Yoda's a badass in it at the end I don't care I don't care if the clones are awesome I don't care if Jango Fett's in it I don't care I don't care if Mace Windu's a badass in it I don't care the movie sucks dick from a filmmaker standpoint it's one of the worst movies ever made I, I'm sorry it, it just is the dialogue's terrible Anakin rolling around in the grass like a home, like a oh I almost said a bad thing there I just don't... Uh, yeah, yeah. The, Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen had zero chemistry. Zero chemistry. They just... This chemistry is water and ice. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. They had zero, zero chemistry. Get out of here, Fly. Well, he was right on the fucking microphone. Yes, he was. <laughs> he, he, he hates it, too, see? Um, it's just an awful movie. And Christopher Lee's in it. I love him. He's, one, he's the villain actor, but... Not even Christopher Lee could say that god awful movie. Um, he could. Ian McGregor couldn't either. Ian <laughs> McGregor. Ian McGregor is the best part of that movie, hands down. When I watch episode two, it this is my this is the Norton method of watching. You watch up to the point to where Anakin and Obi Wan split. Oh look, it's Anakin. Skip. Oh Obi Wan. Watch Anakin. Skip Obi Wan. Watch Anakin. Fast forward, and we play. Yeah, look, there's Natalie Portman in a skin tight. Black leather thing and skip. Oh look, it's Obi Wan. Up into the point where she's like, "Fuck you, Anakin. You got to protect me." Well, guess what? I'm going to Geonosis, and they land and they've worked their way in. Then I'll watch it from there on. So it takes a two and a half hour abomination and knocks it down to about thirty five to forty five minutes. I can't even watch it. And those of you, those of you that say seven is awful because he doesn't follow canon, will get over it. It is canon. Seven. It is the canon. <laughs> There's no way. There is zero percent chance that Attack the Clones is better than The Force Awakens. No way at all. Episode two is a god awful movie. God awful. I can at least episode three makes up for it. episode three has some poor dialogue choices, mind you, but it is a it's a fun movie. 
I'd rather have a hot sauce and do diarrhea right. trip than watch episode two. <laughs> I'd rather have a burning I'd rather, asshole. I'd rather have an Eye two. of the Hawk than watch episode two. No, 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 no I'd rather watch episode oh, two. Oh, no, no. No, I'd rather watch episode no. two. You haven't had Eye of the Hawk, so you can't say it. I would rather I'm watch episode two. I would, I'm still I would say rather it. have episode two be the only movie I could ever watch ever again than fucking drink Eye of the Hawk. <laughs> mm. My um, one to avoid like the plague is fucking interstellar. <laughs> Motherfucker. All right, all right, all right. The worst part. The worst part, like the heart-wrenching part, is it actually starts off as a pretty good movie for the first fucking 30 minutes or so. But it builds itself as a science-based movie. Yeah, what the fuck did you do? Take all the shot science shit on it and then throw it in a wood chipper? Because whatever science you thought you were going for doesn't fucking work like that. It ends up being this fucking fourth dimension across time bullshit. Who is that? He's from the space between spaces. Mm. Look at me, knock books off. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. God damn, motherfucker. Why? You need to get kicked in the fucking junk. Uh, Chris Nolan directed this, right? I will kick him in the junk <laughs> based on that. And I thought fucking Batman 3 was bad. It ain't got shit on Interstellar. The only, the fucking only part of the science they got right was going, oh, if we go in at a set speed at a set angle into a spinning black hole, we can actually, in theory, go forward and backwards in time and go into other dimensions. That's the only fucking part they got right. Hallelujah, you got one goddamn thing right. Quit billing yourself as a fucking science movie because... You billing yourself as a science movie is like me saying I'm a fucking African. Ain't no goddamn way in hell. I am pasty-ass motherfucking Highlander. Said Northern European jeans. I look at a picture of the sun and I get fucking sunburnt. <laughs> there's no way in hell my am from motherfucking Africa, but there's a higher probability of me being from Africa than that fucking movie being a science movie. I'll tell you that right now. That was a fucking disgrace. And folks can see where he has his uh, movies based disgrace. on science, whereas I have mine based on questioning society. <laughs> anyway, I could go on forever. If anybody wants a Blu-ray copy of Interstellar, I will give it to you. I will even pay for the fucking mailing. Fan contest. Yeah, fan contest. <laughs> I don't know what, but I'll figure something out. What's the movie that you would avoid like the plague? Yeah, I want to hear those two. That way I can watch them and go yes or no. Uh, at this point, we're like an hour and a half in or so. Yeah, we need to check on that. Uh, if we don't stop at this point, <laughs> that beer is not going to be done until like midnight, and I got other shit I got to get done. So um, coming up, Keith and I are going to be going up to Nebraska this weekend. So um, whenever we take small trips, we're like, damn, that's a good discussion. We should have brought the fucking portable microphone and just record it. So, hey, guess what we're going to do? Six-hour ride up, we're going to record. Six-hour ride back, we're going to record. And we're going to have some fucking podcasts come out of that, and they will be our filler podcast. There's no telling what they're going to be about, folks. But we're going to do them, and we're going to see how well they work. Uh, at this point, I do want to thank Chris for stopping by and recording with us. That way, it just wasn't a one-man show. Well, I got the rant. I'm all right. I mean, I, I could have drone on for an hour and 30 minutes about how fucking bad Interstellar is. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch it for yourself, and then you can agree with me, because you know I'm right. I usually am. 
<laughs> uh, but at this point, I do believe we can quit any time we want. But where's the fun, the that? fun of that? Sorry, I had a mouthful of beer. <laughs> Good night, everyone. And that does it for another episode of The Geekaholics! What crazy shenanigans will our hosts get into next? Join us on the next fun-filled episode to find out! Same geek time, same geek channel! 